What? No. Actually, not a joke. No, I didn't have a career. It was more just like a summer. I, well, I just I well no I I beatboxed uh, I beatboxed like in class one day and then people were like oh that's actually like that's not bad but. The, by class, I mean like four or five other people. Like we were all just kind of hanging out. And then the rest of the class came in. So like the other 26 people. But there was this one guy in the class who like beatboxed professionally. And so he was like sort of in the limelight. And I beatboxed that one day. I never did it again until I joined this like You left troupe. them wanting more? <laughs> I, I left them wanting more. No, I joined this theater Beat troupe. Beatboxing is hard though. It is. It is. It I don't know. So I practice hard. it. But I practice it for, oh, for a while. And I feel like anything you practice – at anything you practice you'll you'll be better at, yes obviously. yes the 10 at the ten thousand hours thing yes yes there's only one person i know well not no no but know yeah. of yeah that can do the beatboxing stuff really well like comedian reggie watts the guy who's the band leader for james corden because oh. he's a great comedian in his own right i've seen him perform live yeah there is stuff that he does with his voice that is fascinating and amazing really he does his own beatboxing his own looping if you've heard him do music tracks yeah just using his voice it is insane where did you where did you see him perform i saw him perform uh, just for laughs last year oh, okay nice yeah i saw him in the big auditorium space which might not be the best venue for him yeah i feel like he's in a more medium room space yeah but anyways the guy is a fucking brilliant person yeah. In his own right. But but like these weird things. So beatboxing, what, what are like some weird ticks that you end up, you know, not just maybe doing with your mouth, but habits that, that you have? I, I learned how to whistle recently. Oh, only recently. Only recently. I never knew. I could never, I could never do it. Please don't do it on the podcast. We like, we Why? like to, well, no, 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 no. Because it's going to be loud and it's going to blow out the eardrum. Oh, okay. If you do it like that, maybe. It's fine. It's fine. I was more worried that you're going to go very high pitch no, no, and then no. blow out it's all not... the speakers in the world. <laughs> all the speakers of wherever people are listening to this. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I learned how to whistle recently. Uh, some habits that I have, I kind of do this thing where I sort of like to crack my shoulder. I like bring my arm up and I just do this. And people, whenever I'm raising my hand, my arm, people think that I'm raising my arm to ask a question. <laughs> And so whenever I'm in public and I do that, somebody looks at me and they're just like, what's up? I'm like, hmm? There's like, I saw, like, I saw your arm go up. Like, what's going on? And I'm just like, nothing. I'm just like, I'm just <laughs> having class all the time. Like I went to, when I, oh, in my program, when I was at York and I just, I put my arm up and whatever I do that. And the professor would like sometimes stop the class. <laughs> right. I think it happened in, uh, I think it happened in our communications class. <laughs> But uh, anyway, whatever. So I that that's something. Um, how about you? Well, I mean, whistling maybe the the beatboxing thing is just maybe forty eight bars of me just riffing on doing something. Okay. Other than that, I'll 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 just sing to myself. I I I yeah. don't know. I don't really have nervous tics. Uh huh. Or just weird stuff I do. I mean, as a kid, if you know there was nowhere to sit and I really needed to sit, I would just like squat down and just what. Well, no, not squat down <laughs> in the way that it – well, no, no. Like if I need to sit somewhere and there's yes. no chairs around. Yes. I would just you – know. Like leaning against the wall or like quite literally in like just standing and squatting? Just like standing and squatting like, like what I'm doing right now just to show And that's you. how you would eat? You would eat like no, that? No, 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 no. Sit, sit, not eat. Just sit. Oh, oh, just, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, so just oh, – like, Okay. Like in terms of weird stuff that I, that I would do. That's, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. 
But doesn't that hurt after a while? No, I got used to it. <laughs> got used to it. I, ne- I never wanted to be a baseball catcher, though. Seeing how they work for uh, nine innings and doing all that, no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I can't do stuff like that. Yeah. This conversation took a weird turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just talking about weird habits. No, I think that weird habits are something that we don't really talk about, uh, that people don't even don't talk about often. I mean, I don't know. I've had a, I've had a, I used to have a habit of, this is going to be so weird, but I, so um, when I was acting and I would go on auditions, um, I saw when I was younger, um, uh, I watched Hannah Montana. Yeah. And I saw Mitchell Musso do this with his eyes. Did you see me do that? Yeah, like I saw this. you do that. Unfortunately, yeah. our listeners can't. And I had a habit of throwing my eyes from left to right, left to right, left to right. And so sometimes I'd be in auditions and I'm not even kidding you, dude. Like when I get like nervous or like when I'm like, I don't know, like I, th- I feel like when I'm in like an environment that's just like sort of just like not necessarily uncomfortable, but just like it's, it's, it, 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 being in that space will develop some sort of a result that I'm unsure of. Yeah. I'll always do something quirky. So like in these audition rooms, I would go in and like, we would be going or whatever. And then I just do this with my eyes. And I remember my acting coach looking at me, he's like, you continue to do that. You're out of a job. You're out of a job. Like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know why you're doing that. His name was Sancho. <laughs> oh, and he was like, you can't I don't even know. develop your own quirk. I, <laughs> Did I do that? Well, cause nobody wants to see that on camera, right? It looks no. weird. And it's just like the weird kid, the weird white Italian kid. It's just like, anyway, whatever. Wait, Italians are white? Not all of them, but like I am. <laughs> so I would do that with my eyes and I would just like, I would, I would be in an audition room and I would do that. And I wouldn't focus. Yeah. But anyway. No, that's, that's an interesting story. I have no idea where, where, where to segue I don't think, from that. I don't think, well, you're great at segues. I know I am. I, I was trying to do that for the last couple of episodes, but <laughs> somehow my mind just kind of wandered. Anyway, today's guest. <laughs> so today's guest is a, uh, a very accomplished filmmaker in his own right. His name is Charlie Terrell. Uh, we met at a screening. Uh, we, we just discussed this like 10 minutes ago, actually. We did. Yeah, well, we did. And we, so we met at a screening and we've, we've kept in touch since then. I really admired his work and he is someone uh, who makes, I believe, he, he blends quite well. He blends uh, both experimental and like sort of like a narrative doc style. And it's very, it's very interesting. So uh, we have him on the podcast today. Mm, okay. So let's get into that right after this. Cool. Hey folks, do you need studio space equipment? Maybe somewhere to chill out and tackle that new idea you had a while back. Well, Astrolab Studios is the destination for all your pre-production, production and post-production needs. Astrolab has flexible in-house studio and post-audio bookings. On-site equipment packages available so you can save time and money with experienced staff to ensure your production runs smoothly. They've been supporters of This Is The Year since day one, making this little dream of ours come true. So, why not show them some love? Visit astrolab.studio and make this the year your project takes off. Did you have some of the, uh, so you had some of our snacks. I had had one peanut Cheeto. And and on a scale of one to 10, how is the peanut Cheeto? Like you love them, right? I love them. Yeah. Well, I I would say it's very, very artificial tasting. I'll say that. Like, um, to a frightening degree. It was that, but I'm, I eat almost exclusively junk food. So 
Amen. Yeah. Amen. Cool. cool. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on board, man. I really really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Of course. It's great to it's great to chat. And so I guess let's uh, yeah just like introduce yourself. Tell us tell us about yourself. Tell us what you do. Who you are. What's your horoscope? Oh, I don't do that. No. I used to. Yeah. I used to have a job where I had to commute every day from Hamilton to Mississauga and yeah. the free press. Um, it wasn't now, but it was it was something like that, you know, available all the go train stands. Oh and yeah, just like one of the newspapers or something. Yeah, yeah. And and I would always read the horoscopes and it was, you know, kind of an emotional time in my life. So I was reading okay. all these horoscopes and being like, Oh, it's saying today's going to be a good day. So yeah, let's go for it. And see, I never I never trust like I, I don't know. I think for me, I always try to if I'm going to read a horoscope, I used to have this one horoscope that like would like tweet out on my behalf and it got, got kind of insane because then if I didn't go on Twitter for like 10 days or just be like 10 tweets about what Eric's horoscope is today, uh, friends of mine would actually joke about it. They'd be like, hey, I saw your horoscope today. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So I would read my horoscope at the end of the day and I found it weird when like my horoscope that day actually like and me reading it at the end right. of the day, sort of dis- it sort of described what my day was like. And I'm like, holy shit, that's weird. Um, horoscopes but, are like a bad ex-girlfriend for me. Like I've yeah. been hurt by them in the past and I'm just like, you know what? I'm, Fuck not, I'm not going to go to it anymore. <laughs> exactly. Respect what they're doing. They can live their life, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't need any contact anymore. That. Yeah. I respect that. I respect that. Um, um so you're, so you're a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think that the, so the films that you sort of dabble in are very experimental, but they're a hybrid of like experimental and doc. Yeah. I mean, I, I work with a lot of animation. And, uh, that's not to say I'm an animator. I work with animators and usually, you know, just coming from the world of independent film where it's very, there's a lot of restrictiveness with budgets and, you know, time and what time you can get with sets and actors, Yeah, you know, doing animation is kind of a way to, um, enhance the story in a way that you know you can take more time with it and you can you can you have a bit more creative latitude and you can you can do things to you know again enhance the story and it's not not to say that I was trying to be strategic with like oh how can I be the guy that stands out and yeah maybe I'll do animation um you know it's just something that I've always loved and I've always loved stop motion animation and um you know, the first opportunity I had where I had a little bit of a budget, yeah. um, which was a short film I did in 2015 called I Thought I Told You Shut Up. Um, you know, when when it was, you know, an, an option, it was something I jumped on because it's something I, I'd experimented with in high school. But, you know, it took more or less a decade to to mm-hmm. have the opportunity to do it again. And then since then, you know, getting kind of more hands on with the medium, um, finding other ways to, you know, implement it and you know ways to kind of yeah you know, a, a lot of what I do doesn't push it into new spaces it kind of um you know working with with sometimes much older traditional animation methods and just using them you know in contemporary pieces and yeah it, it's I only use it when it's appropriate I only you know I try not to do the same thing twice i mean that's not to say i I haven't done that before because sometimes doing the same thing has been what's been called for but um but always trying to differ between between different projects yeah i I don't want two projects to look the same kind of thing and and also that's not 
you know, I try to work with people on as a collaborative as a platform as possible. So if I'm working with an animator again, I don't want to say, hey, let's let's do that same thing all over again, yeah. um, because then it's just a job for them. They don't get anything out of it because, you know, try and create a space where we can play around a little bit. Yeah. Are there themes? Are there themes that you feel sort of thread in the films that you make? Or is there like a theme that you try to stick with that you're like, you know, I want to, I want to try to like hover over this neighborhood. Yeah. I, I don't want to approach. I don't want to take the same path down the neighborhood. I want to take like the back corners. I mean, I'm getting there. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely played around with, you know, going through, the different phases of being an independent filmmaker where I, I need to try and do things that look like this because that, that got this person's success. So I need to do, you know, finding your voice is a real thing and, and yeah. I feel like I'm just tuning into it. Um, okay. but usually things that have to do with, you know, a memory, um, because, you know, memory is this very fragile thing that fades over time and, you know, that there's, it's a way to preserve it. I feel filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, inanimate objects. I, I've always completely been drawn to to things and objects, sometimes more than people. I interesting. Be embarrassed to say because yeah, I mean, no, it's not embarrassing. I think well, I think that's interesting to like because as a creator, I feel when I'm when when I sort of encounter a lot of creators, right? The creators that sort of stand out to me are the ones that are not necessarily sort of abstract, but they're not the norm, or they don't like they don't they're not attracted to the norm. You know what I mean? Like I've certainly right. met, as I'm sure you have, like I've certainly met people who I know would fit into like a mainstream Hollywood narrative. Totally. Right. Yeah. But then you meet people who um, you sort of find are more like, again, like alternative and they're, um, they're, they're drawn to, I guess, animals or, or, or they use like sort of uh, stop motion animation is also very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um but those are the kind of filmmakers I think that really that spark, and th- and that's not to say that no discredit to the people who make my mainstream Hollywood movies. Oh yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah, I mean everyone does their own thing. And, yeah, exactly. And coming back to objects, like for me, it's kind of, um, you know, I was always kind of a snoop as a kid. Um, okay. You know, if if I was alone in the house, you know, you go looking around and you see, you know, what what's what's in people's room, and sometimes. You know, there weren't met tons of opportunities in my life, but in other people's houses too. If you, yeah. you find yourself like, you That's know, what I w- wasn't trying to steal things, wasn't trying to look at things, but yeah. sometimes w- what's in someone's bedroom or what's in their desk drawer can say way more about them that is than like, talking to them. Can. Oh my God, man. That is something that I did as well. I remember, I remember going to, and it happened a lot at like other family members' homes. And exactly, I remember yeah. one time I got caught in like, I think it was at like my cousin's house or something or... No, no, no. It was my grandmother's like uh, sister's house or something like that. And so I was caught in this room and I was looking at uh, some photos. I was looking at photos that were like on the uh, sort of like on the banister or something. And and they, I, the person, I can't remember who it was that caught me, but they were like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you, why are you touching that? Why are you like put that back? And I'm like, yeah, no, no worries. I wasn't like trying to ruin it like i wasn't I, like but I, but i get that's like a personal space yeah but to investigate those personal spaces i was so in tune with because i'm like how are these spaces different than mine like i know how my room looks like right i know that i love you know my desk to be here and i want you know my clothes to be folded here my pants in this drawer shirts in this drawer how is this person sort of doing that mm-hmm. Right. And I think as as human beings we're naturally curious and that's sort of curiosity sparked from my imagination essentially yeah and also like what's in 
what's in the more pu- kind of public spaces of the house, where guests yeah. would be versus what's in kind of more private spaces, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like a bedroom or like an office, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, not trying to find secrets or, you know, dirty no. things or anything, but, but uh, just no. kind of, you know, what are in the special spaces that are more reserved for just you? Like what, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, have you ever found anything, uh, anything like peculiar or like scary or anything that you ever like do you like that you can remember? I mean, nothing's I, I jumping right to mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, remember, I, I remember being in a house. I remember being in a house once and I saw, I think I found like a, a, a chest of uh, money, but like old currency mm-hmm. and it, there was a lot of it and I wasn't aware that there, like how much it was worth. And it was like a lot of euros. It was a lot of uh, euros mixed with like Canadian money. And it was just so weird to me. I, I mean, I didn't get caught, but like, I, I just like, this is like, I found something that like, you know, I obviously wasn't supposed to find. But it's so that that's always so weird. That's always so interesting to me is like, and even still now being an adult, it's like, okay, no, I don't go snooping through people's rooms. But like, I'm still curious when I go into like other, like, say, if I'm at a party and I'm at a friend's house and I see like their bedroom, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty interesting. This person has like posters of this and like pictures of this. Like, why are these posters arranged in this way? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why are these photos? Why are these like photos of their dog like why do they have six photos of their dog in the same how area? heavy is their bed you know, sometimes <laughs> you gotta feel things <laughs> and then i fell asleep in one person's house <laughs> and that's it i woke up the next morning where am i um but but that's that, that's interesting to me yeah. yeah well i mean that one of the isn't really any specific discoveries but one of the differences was um my two grandparents my dad's side my mom's side mm-hmm. and spent you know a significant amount of time at both houses and yeah. On my mom's side, you know, there were still, they had seven kids um, and they, they moved a fair amount. And I think they all kind of planted in the same house that they still lived in, you know, when I was a grandkid. Yeah. Um, and all the bedrooms that belonged to the kids were still more or less preserved mm. at, from when, from when their kids moved out. And these were my aunts and uncles and they were all adults, you know, in their thirties or forties at that time kind of thing. So Interesting. it was kind of weird to see like, Oh, you know, this, this relative, this is, these are the toys that they had when they were a kid, or this yeah. is how the room, this was the poster that was on the wall. And it, you know, versus my other grandparents on my dad's side who you would never know that they had children. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, there was, there were, weren't really family photos around. It was mm-hmm. all, it was all kind of just their stuff. And, you know, there were a couple drawers that had, mm-hmm. you know, old toys in them, but not many. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was just kind of, if, if you went through each house, you would know that one was filled with a family and filled with all these kids. And then the other one was, oh, maybe, maybe these people never had children. And, you know, that contrast really. Did you ask questions about what you found? No. Oh no. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. I, Definitely just observing and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. use my whole life to process it until uh, now. Uh, um, <laughs> and now you can make movies about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So I, I actually, it's funny because I'm, I'm one of the producers, producers on this documentary and it's about this uh, uh, land developer. And this land developer, he's like 90 years old now. He built like the majority of Mississauga, which is kind of interesting. Uh, sorry, not kind of, which is very interesting. Uh, but he still lives in like a 19, um, a home built in the seventies, like literally built in like the sixties and seventies. And it has not been touched. Wow. Like 
completely, I, I, I'll say if I'm in, I don't know if I'm in there again this week, but, um, if I'm back there, I'll send you photos, but it, it is, you would freak out yeah. like the toilets. They look like, like granted this, this guy is, is, um, is wealthy, but they're, they look like thrones. They're literally thrones attached to the floor. Yikes. The sinks come up and they're just like these weird, like faucets that like, just like spring out at you. And then there's like uh, all the appliances. So all more kind of like high end from the seventies type of stuff. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and whoever like, cause I remember like his, his wife, his wife passed away 10 years ago. Uh, but when she was living in the house with him, she didn't allow anybody to sit on the furniture. Anyway, right, she didn't yeah. allow anybody to sit like on the couches. So these couches, you sit in them and you're just like, Oh my God, they got like a spunk to them. You yep. know what I mean? Like they kind of push you up a little bit because they're so not comfortable. It, well, no, actually they are comfortable. They are comfortable, but they are so comfortable. It's like, they're like, they're almost brand new. Like they're, they're just, they've lived been lived in just enough that they're not like, they're not so old. Um, the appliances as well, like the ovens, um, the ovens tell you like, there's like a chart at the side that it's like. You know, cooking eggs will take this amount of time. Cooking this thing will cook this amount of time. Right, cooking yeah, a, yeah. a rack of ribs will will take this amount of time. Um, and it's it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And yes. there's still photos, and 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 because he's old, like they have all of their photos, like their his children put out all of, and he lives in this huge like this mansion by himself, and so they have like all these photos of him and his family, so that way he never forgets where he is, and and his memory is like sharp, right? Sharp as a what's tool. the film about though? Um, uh, it, it's, well, it's about him and, and sort of his, um, his legacy almost. It's based off of a book. Um, the, the name of the person is escaping me, but there's this man that wrote a book about him, like a 400 page book. Uh, his name is Larry, the guy that, uh, the land developer, his name is Larry Robbins. Mm. And so, uh, Larry had a book, a 400 page book published about him. Um, and now my, uh, one of my friends is directing and the other is shooting. And so they're making a documentary sort of about his life and then like his relationships with like his family and his colleagues and the rabbis that lived nearby, like he's Jewish and the rabbis that lived nearby. And, um, it's yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure if it's going to be a short doc or a feature doc, but I, um, that's, they, they're shooting, we're shooting all week basically. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. I yeah. To see it. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and then, oh, and then in the basement, uh, there's like a really old projector and stuff and, and there's like a bar and he would talk about how like he used to host like family, like movie nights and, 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 uh, the basement was really, I think the only place that people were really allowed to like right. hang the, out. The rumpus room. The rumpus room. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> I think that's what people called their basement hangout rooms. And oh yeah, in the seventies and eighties. Oh shit! There you go. Rumpus rooms. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's uh, it's and the carpets are all the same. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that's so that's great. So then, like, moving forward from that, do you feel that's what's like sort of sparked and like molded your filmography moving forward? To um, to an extent, sometimes it's been the way for me to enter a story because okay. you know story starts with observation and then that's usually where I tend to lean yeah. my observations towards at least the start so it's not always to say that you know any, any of the work I do or I'm working on now is is object centric but um sometimes that's where the the interest begins mm-hmm. and and yeah and, and that and going back to to memory you know because you know objects can be connected to memory, but they, they don't have memories of their own and they don't feel them. But, you know, you see 
you see old candy that you used to eat when you were in elementary school. Like yeah. you'll start remembering other things based on just seeing that or feeling it, feeling the weight of it. Um, yeah. Smelling it. And um, yeah, it, it's something that can kind of survive a bit longer because sometimes a thing can, you know, it doesn't decay like, like, right. a, like a, a cat does or yeah. like another person does. Yeah. Um, and, but even, and that, and that sort of like, they say that like objects sort of leave almost like scents indirectly and that scent uh, is related to memory as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when walking in this house, for example, in this documentary and this man is walking through his kitchen he sort of like feels different things and his son would bring up, Oh, do you remember when you hosted that dinner for so-and-so in this room? And he's like, yeah, I sat over there. Right. And so that's sort of interesting yeah. to like delegate and, and witness. Um, so in talking about some of your work now, so you've been quite successful, but you, you have a really good uh, library films as well. But um, what, what um, talk about, talk about some of your, some of your work. So my dead dad's porno tapes, for yeah. example, um, talk, tell us about that. I mean, that, that was the film that, you know, has, has gotten the most attention. Pe- people, yeah, got, okay. got the most attention. If, okay. if there's people that are, you know, gauging me for a potential project or a collaboration, you know, that's it's the one that, that one, you know, stands out on the CV maybe, yeah, or, yeah. you know, even if it's not familiar, the, the title still does a lot of the legwork. Right. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's an object space stop motion. Uh-huh personal memory documentary. Um, and yeah, I mean that, that was a film that we made, you know, it it was an idea that I had for years. Like I knew that I had these tapes that, that were my dad's porno tapes, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, my mom found years after he passed away Yeah, and I knew, Oh, I'm, I'm going to use this one day, whether it's for like a music video or documentary short or whatever. I I didn't think I would go, as far into personal, you know, emotional story as I did with it. Yeah. But it just kind of evolved into that. And part of that was, it was this thing I wanted to make. And some of the people I collaborate with frequently, I, you know, voiced the idea to them and, you know, they, they encouraged or they kind of reassured me that it was something worth pursuing. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we, we got started and that, that film had a lot of creative limitations um, because, we didn't have a home movie camera growing up. Um, I'm pretty camera shy. So is, you know, my mom, brother, and sister. So it was, how do we tell the story without that stuff, without on-camera interviews, without home movie footage? I was able to find some home movie footage um, via uh, aunts and uncles that recorded at parties or family get-togethers. And also my dad had... I found this one tape where he did have a camcorder for a day Oh, and it was really bizarre. I had never seen it before. It came up while we were making the film. So that, that was really cool. And we used a lot of that footage in in the piece. It's interesting Um, to me how like when, what you record when you're younger, you don't realize in the moment how special it would be moving forward. Yeah. And sometimes it's not special. Like I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking out of of hundreds of hours of of home movie footage. I I found like, you know, 10 seconds kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, uh, his, Mom and dad recorded a lot of home movies on eight millimeter. Yeah. And most of it is useless. Most of it is a left to right pan of 
Just the room. Here's, you know, a field. Here's the Grand Canyon, like that kind of stuff. Never the kids in the foreground playing. Like, again, you wouldn't think that there were children in this house, even by this whole movie footage kind of thing. Interesting. Rarely seen in it. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah, so so with all that being said, limited amount of footage, um, Mm -hmm. archival. So the story really had to be built from from animation and from yeah. stop motion and the stop motion was, you know, okay, we'll use these tapes, but let's also use other things that belong to him, his tools, his, you know, his wallet, um, his pocket fluff, like his key yeah. loop and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we were able to kind of play around within that limitation to, to create what, what Martha Grant, the animator did create on that and Philip Edels as well. Um, yeah. Which is kind of, you know, this flip book of, of, of a catalog of everything that belonged to him. And we make them, you know, make different shapes. They make his face at one point. And, uh, it was really a way to keep a dynamic visual on the screen while, you know, the, the audio and the voiceover, you know, kind of starts dumping the story out, which is actually a story about kind of intergenerational trauma and you know again memory and memories of my dad and you know why was he this way and not that way and oh I remember my grandma being the certain way yeah and you know being able to open it all up and discover that you know he was consciously the way he was and that was because he was treated a certain way when when he was a kid by by his um by his pam mm-hmm. parents sorry his parents, yeah. um so, so yeah, I mean that, that I, I'm, I'm very grateful for any success that that film has had because it was sincerely not expected. We weren't being strategic in making that film. Like let's make, you know, this will get into festivals and this will win awards. And I think, it was yeah. just a film I wanted to make. And that's um, something, yeah. And that's something that we've spoken about before as mm-hmm. well is because like, I feel like I've been, I've been surrounded by both sides. And as, as I'm sure you have people who make films for a specific reason, and it's not bad to do that. It's not bad to have a plan and a strategy, but I think the best work comes out of, um, ambiguity and sort of like, uh, risk taking in the sense that like, you know, you have a story you're passionate about, you have an idea that you're, or a concept that, that intrigues you. Let's tell that story. Let, that's I, it, right? I can't let's, remember who was it said. I feel like it was Herzog or something, but it's like yeah. there are people who make movies because they watch movies, and then there are people who make movies because they experience ah, life. There you go. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I certainly used to be guilty of, like, let's shoot this this way because I saw it in a movie kind of thing, or this is what this character okay. would do because I saw it in a well, movie. You mentioned it earlier where it's like you you said you were sort of, I think you were talking about your past, and you were like, well, you know, making movies should what you were trying to like fit a certain aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And when you say a certain aesthetic, do you mean a certain aesthetic of like what you think audiences expect or is it an aesthetic for like festivals and distributors? Um, I mean more so in a, a balance of both, like being, okay. being stylistic and being really punchy with yeah. the edit and, yeah. you know, putting, putting a popular music track underneath it and yeah. casting this person because they had success somewhere else kind of thing. Yeah. Um, rather catering to, yeah, the catering to a niche catering to some sort of, yeah. And, and whether that's the audience or yeah, festivals or yeah, people who might want to hire you to make commercials kind of thing, like yeah. catering to someone else rather than catering to the project and the story. Yeah. And, and now I'm, you know, I feel like I put enough distance between myself and, you know, the type of work that I thought I wanted to make. Um, 
that I, I have way more kind of um, confidence in in what what I what that voice can be. Yeah. And yeah, now I, you know, I had to do a lot of things to learn that I didn't like doing them. And that's not just in film, that's in other avenues of life. So now I, yeah. I, I just have a better kind of roster of what not to do. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you, there, there, there's, I'm sure, as you know, there, there it's mentorship in, in, you know, filmmaking exists, but and that's not the thing, is really. That, yeah. And if you're not seeking it out, then, you know, I got that sort of advice as well as that, like when you're, when you're studying filmmaking, right. And you sort of walk into filmmaking with this idea that you have to be mentored by somebody. Oh, it was, um, you know, Gary Vee, do you know Gary Vee? Gary Vee, that like motivation. I, I know speaker. of him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, I mean, Weird, I, you're, you're I, the second person in date to talk about Gary Vee. Really? Yeah. Who else talked about Gary? Oh, or is it someone else? Uh, yeah. Someone else? Just, just a friend uh, who brought him up. Yeah. Kind cool. of thing. Well, I, I think, I think what he says has some legitimacy and, and, and has some real, uh, you know, he, he's very intellectual. He's a very intellectual individual in the way that he sees people and that mm-hmm. how he communicates. And so he brought up a good point where it was like a lot of people, and it doesn't have to be just in film. It could be whatever industry. But what I'm saying is like to grow up feeling like you have to be mentored by somebody and you cannot like make right, your own success yeah. or make your or mold your own vision. That's sort of that's very strange. And so that's sort of this false understanding of I of that's a false understanding um, that I felt I needed to do uh, in order to be successful. Mm-hmm. I needed to, you know, call up somebody who was, I don't know, I say they made four features and I, this is someone who has made it. And well, I got to call him or I got to call her. And as soon as I call her, as soon as I call him, uh, and I, and I sit with them in the same room, then, then that's how I'll become successful. When in reality, that's not, that's not the case because success is different for everybody. Yeah. There's no guidebook. If there was, there'd be a lot more (laughs) successful filmmakers, right? Exactly. And, And I mean, for me, a pressure, I shouldn't really say pressure. I used to put on myself, but, um, a misconception I had was time and like, uh, I yeah. need to make my first feature before I'm 25. And then it it's like, Oh, then it's before I'm 30. Yeah. Now I don't care. Like, yeah. you know, things will happen when it's right. And when they do. Yeah. Um, I mean that that's a total luxury to be able to say that because, um, yeah. you know, sometimes you need to do the work to, to pay rent and support yeah. yourself. And yeah. if you have a family, support your family. I mean, I, I live in, and very modest means so that, you know, that's okay. And I can do that. But, um, you know, I, whatever, whatever I have yeah. time I have on this earth, I'll, but fill, I think, I'll fill with this. But, yeah. But, but I think regardless, regardless, rush, yeah. yeah and, but I think regardless of how, of how well or not that you live, I think that it's also sort of a mental thing where you decide when you sort of want to make your mark. And I, I, I could attest to the same thing. I echo that statement where it's like, I felt, I also felt like I had deadlines and I also, I, but, but that's also sort of like the pressure of those around you as well. And for me, it's like, you know, I was friends with people who were saying, well, if you don't make this specific film into a feature before this deadline, it's not gonna get made. Yeah. If you don't make this film this year, it's not gonna get made. And it's a tough, but why, um, you know, I mean, I, I feel like you know, everyone feels like there's gotta be, you know, this hustle and you gotta, you can't stop. And, and if you're not working through the week and you're dead, like it took me a long time to learn the value of taking time away from it. Uh, taking, you know, time to think about other things, having other interests. Um, yeah. you know, 
not just thinking about film and writing and all that stuff because the end product of of that kind of mentality is is not really as strong as as it could be if if you're a more well-rounded person and yeah. experience other things it it's also you know a tough medium to work in because like you mentioned before you you're surrounded by other people you're 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 you know naturally going to have a lot of colleagues and yeah they're going to have their successes at different times than than you might they might have greater and all that stuff so you're constantly you know especially with with things like like social media it's not hard to observe what's going on in other people's lives and that can yeah. that can make you feel pressure because, you know, especially if they're your contemporaries or someone that you know really well, yeah. seeing how well they're doing, you'll feel like, oh, well, I have the same tools that they do. I should be able to do this as well. And why, why, why is, you know, my film not, yeah. you know, why, why they made a feature. Why haven't I like they yeah. have the same equipment? I do. Exactly. Well, and, and when I say like, and when I say sort of that, you know, I, um, admire you or that you are a successful filmmaker or not to say that you're talking about us specifically, but when I, when I say that to people, it is genuine because I do yeah. truly hope that you become successful. Or I oh, do truly yeah, hope that yeah. she becomes successful, and, you know, like, yeah. And I, but I, and I think that's important to sort of like support each other because at absolutely. the end of the day, that, that is sort of the realm in which we live in now. You and know? it's funny that you bring that up because this is something I feel like I've been finally distilling over the past like couple of years is, you know, my first real festival experiences were 2015. Um, I, I I can't remember right now if it's the first festival I've ever went to. I feel like it might have, but that was... Um, How old were you? Uh, that was five. What's... Uh, 27. Um, cool. Okay. Um, so, you know, my, my first real festival experience that I can recall was South by Southwest. And um, before that I had just been, you know, again, doing my own thing here, yeah. trying to be, you know, a music video director, trying to be a commercial director or trying to, you know, just, just do, you know, lame, cool shit that I thought people yeah, would like. Yeah, like you're trying, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're trying to, you're trying to experiment and you're trying to experiment with the genres and, 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 uh, yeah. realities of what you really want to make. And then you sort of find your, your, your footing. Well, you know? what it, what it was was back then I, I was very like I had this I was way more competition oriented oh like, really like you know oh there's another filmmaker like I need to do stuff that's better than them or I need to stand out more than that person and I need to it, very petty and cynical way of thinking right and yeah. going to a film festival and walking into it with that attitude and yeah. you know many in, in in my documentary shorts programs specifically there are many more well-seasoned filmmakers there yeah that had done the festival experience before and yeah and were a bit better natured than I was. Um, I'm not saying I was doing stupid shit or like walking around with any sense of arrogance, but I was quietly like, okay, these are not friends. These are competition. Yeah. And that was a really foolish way to think, but I'm very grateful that um, what ended up happening was, you know, most, if not all of these other filmmakers were genuine, genuinely nice and yeah. warm and welcoming and, yeah. Many are still friends to this day. One in particular, Josh Pilon, uh, we've collaborated, you know, since then. And, and, you know, a month doesn't go by without us touching base, even though he's, he's in the States. And, yeah. um, and you, that's, this is someone who you met at the festival. I met at the festival. Yeah. Okay, and, cool. um, and yeah, kind of, that was the starting point of realizing that, you know, 
it's better to treat people, other filmmakers like allies, you know, and again, this is not trying to be strategic, but it just makes you a better person. And, um, I mean, isn't that, isn't that the point of it at the end of the day? Like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you're sort of looking at yourself in the mirror, are you happy with the check you received? Are you happy with the person you're seeing on the other side? Yeah. Like it's not, forget film, like fuck for for a second you know what i mean like it's like are you are you happy internally are you happy with your well-being you know like i could be or you or whoever could be as successful as they want but then when they go Mm -hmm. home assuming they're living at home and they go home and they're you know their their family they're not they don't you don't feel like you're connected with them or you don't feel like you've had that time to really enjoy yourself is a really a point yeah well i mean you have to be sincere for one thing yeah Um, of course because if you can't, if you're not a sincere person, then you're not going to be able to be sincere with yourself. And then, yeah. you know, good luck enjoying your life kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but, sure. but I mean, again, filmmaking is, it's a tough industry and there's a lot of talent. Yeah. But there's always room for another good one, another good filmmaker, another good film. So, sure. you know, it, it's, it's important to be supportive and recognize what your limitations are and where another filmmaker might be better or stronger. I get it. Maybe if, if you happen to meet, you know, the Eric clone, that's making the exact same type of work that you're doing. And they're the oh, same. Oh, I bet that guy. Yeah. And, that and, guy. And, and, and that's, that's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, even still find, yeah. find a way to, you know, embrace the commonality or embrace the differences. Well, and a, a TA, know. a TA brought up a really good uh, piece of advice and it was when I was making my film cold hands. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was nervous because I was like, yeah, but there have been coming of age movies made before and there have been stories about like, you know, friendships breaking apart and all mm-hmm. that. And then my TA it was so, so random and he was like the one person who I d- never thought I would actually get advice from. And he looks at me and he's like, yeah, but that film wasn't made by Eric Bizarri. Right. That film was made by whoever. Yeah. Like, nobody knows what an Eric Bizarri film looks like mm-hmm. or, or an Eric Bizarri version of whatever story you're exactly. talking about. Or Charlie Terrell, or a Mark Weingast, or Louis Brissetto. Like, like nobody, like nobody knows that person. Mm-hmm. And so that is sort of, uh, and that's sort of what's stuck in my mind for the longest time. And you know, uh, my latest film, Pressure Play, the one, the first person I actually went to, which uh, is locked now, right? Uh, which is locked. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for all your notes. Thanks, man. Yeah. I, yeah, we have some really good news. Well, I guess this is like. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the time this releases, so it's premiering at the end of March at the Canadian Film Fest. Oh fuck. Yeah. Oh heck yeah. yeah. Um, oh fuck yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It's really. Thank you. It's really exciting. It's like I don't know. I don't know. We just got this news uh, officially like last week, and so I haven't really had right the chance to, to say anything. But yeah. Do, do you know when your first screening is? No, not yet. Okay. No, they it, just. But they're, they're down at Scotiabank. They're right? down at Scotiabank. Yeah. 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 So theater. come out if yeah. you're. If I'd love you're to. Free. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'd be great. But uh, that you know that and that and that happened because of you and partly because like you were giving notes and people like you like supported right. the project and like that's what we're talking about is like treating each other like allies right and so the very first person that i ever approached to produce that project he read the script and he's like yeah this is just another whiplash i'm not interested like it's just another right. it's just another you know um it's just another whiplash and i and i thought about it and i was like yeah but i i i felt i don't know like i feel like this is like this is a different kind of story. This is a different kind of character piece in a way, you know, and, and arguably it, 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 you know, that was a year and a half ago. And so the the script had changed like Mm -hmm. very, very, very much so. But, um, the point that I'm trying to make is that like, uh, you seeing, you seeing potential in your own project is it, or you, yeah, you seeing potential in your project will, uh, will attract others. 
you know, like the yeah. way that you manifest, um, the way that you manifest your creative decisions will enable others to do the same. So exactly. And, and yeah. going back to what you said about sending cuts out for notes and stuff, yeah. um, you know, that's a whole other layer of curation, right? Because yeah. I, I know filmmakers and I, I've been guilty of it. Like, okay, I have a new edit of something. I'm going to send it to everyone I know. Yeah. And then you get, yeah. A, well, which hundred is different why, voices back and the, and one yeah. person is like, I really love this. And yeah. the same person's saying, I hate that. And yeah. you know, then you're, and then, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I try to be as, I usually I'll send like the rough cut out to three people that I know and trust. And they're usually filmmakers. Yeah. Um, because you want someone that has, you know, the logistical sense of like, you know, cause you, you can send someone who hasn't made a film before and they'll be like, I don't like that shot, change it. But a yeah. filmmaker might understand like, okay, I understand why you have to use that shot because you can't reshoot it or something coming, like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and well, that's why I sort that's why I was thanking you because you're one of the people that like, you know, sending me notes, but also sending them in a constructive way. Right. Yeah. But at the same time saying, listen, I get, I get why this decision was here. Maybe you can try something like this. Mm-hmm. This isn't really working for me. This is, this isn't. Yeah. See if you can blend those together. Like that's, totally, yeah. you know what I mean? And you know, there were certainly people like, I don't know, this one person sent me, I think like four, three or four pages, but it was all negative. And it was right. just like, what's, what's happening? What's going on? And I actually, it's funny. I actually had a conversation with him recently and we were, I think it was like, yeah, it was a few days ago. And he was like, Hey, so we haven't really gotten a chance to, sp- to speak since then. Like, what did you think? And like, what, what, and I was like, Oh, um, I mean, I don't know. It didn't, he's like, yeah, like, like your editor was telling me like, he didn't think that I really liked it. And he's like, well, that's not the case at all. I just like, I cannot, like, he's like, as a person, I cannot send positive feedback. Right. It's only things. Uh, That's a weird one. I mean, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, (laughs) I don't know what to say. It's like, thanks for ripping my heart out. (laughs) Let me me find out like a month or two later that, you know, yeah. Well, it's fine. You meant, yeah. Uh, But, but I mean, it's, it's, and everybody, everybody has that sort of feedback, but that's, but that is, but that in no way. And I think that in no way obstructs sort of the process for me. Mm -hmm. And if I maybe was reading those notes as like a 13 year old boy, maybe I would have cried. Right. Yeah, like yeah. Being how I am now and, and, and going through those experiences is like, I take every criticism with, with 13 year old boy you know? still inside you though. And he's, he's still crying that's, somewhere. Hey, though. that's, you know what? That's, that's true. That's true. I, I will, no, I'll admit to that. But, but I guess what I'm saying is that like, I've learned to sort of adapt to criticism right. and I feel like that's, you know, with yeah. your work as well, you've learned to as well, I'm assuming. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, there's realities to independent production again, where, where, you know, you're not, if you, if you somehow have a super high end Hollywood exec contact, like, um, you know, and you send them the film, those are the people who you're going to get like, good job. Like you're not going to get much, much out of them kind of thing. They're just going to be like, okay, here's this kid sending me an email kind of thing. Yeah. So you want, you want to send it to, filmmakers where you can expect to be able to return the favor one day kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because then you know that the effort will be made or hopefully it'll be made on both ends. And, yeah. and if it's not, then that's, that's fine. That's totally cool. You feel that as you go and, and then, you know, you, you don't do it again or you do something else together kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's so many spaces for collaboration to exist between filmmakers and it doesn't always have to be like, okay, we're co-directing or Absolutely. I'm writing on yours. It, it can sometimes be, you know, 
hey, I'll give you notes. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the, it's it's just yeah. as valuable as as being there on set with them. Absolutely. And I've had people that I've collaborated with that have literally never been on a set of mine, but mm-hmm. they will always story edit. They will always like sort of, and you need those people, you know, or, what I mean? or and, even just show up to your screening, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. That's important. That's too. a, that's, um, that's an object of a support that, that is an example of support. Exactly. Make sure that there's not crickets when the Q and a happens, <laughs> even if they have to making um, sure they laugh at a bad joke. Yep. And yeah, absolutely. Man. Um, so I, and I also wanted to say as well, I, I, I was just curious and I don't think I've ever really got to formally congratulate you, but like, you know, my dead dad's porno tapes was was shortlisted for an Oscar. Yeah, that is incredible, dude. Yeah, that is very. That was incredible. a weird time. That um, was t- talk. It, it was cool. And again, yeah, very very grateful for it. Uh, yeah, we we are fortunate that you know the film premiered at Sundance okay. and um, the New York Times Op Docs, which is their documentary short platform, uh, selects a, a number of the Sundance shorts and they release them the week of the week after Sundance, you know, Sundance selected short op doc kind of thing. Got it. Uh, so yeah, they chose dead dad's porn tapes to be one of, I believe the three Sundance shorts. And, sorry um, to interrupt. So when they're publishing these are publishing, I'm assuming like they're publishing for the, for the public or are they publishing for like, like industry members? No, no, for, for the public. Oh, okay, yeah. great. And, yeah. and so the film went online the same day that we premiered at Sundance, uh, which was, you know, the, the offer from them came in right before the Christmas holiday. Yeah. So my producer, Julie Baldassi and I we were like, you know, do we do this? Do we want the film to go online? We've submitted to a bunch of other festivals that we're hoping for. Yeah. Well, being online hurt our play at those festivals. And then we kind of, you know, had to slow down and be like, okay, hold on. Listen, like we're premiering at Sundance. If that's the only festival we have, that's fine. Um, a lot of eyes will get on this from the New York times and and it's a great platform to be a part of. So, so yeah, we went with it and and it did very well. There was in, in that first week it was online. I got really uniquely um, and strangely um, just because it was a new experience for me, you know, dozens of emails from people who saw the film, you know, went to my website, found my email and reached out to me telling about how they had the same experience or, you know, they saw certain things in the film that they saw reflected in their own lives. Yeah. These very personal, personal emails from people. And, um, one that stood out was, um, someone who ran, uh, a therapy group in a men's prison and asked if he could screen the film for the inmates because they were, oh, wow. they're going to do, they're doing like a week on, you know, fathers and son relationships kind of thing. Right. So that was interesting. That being said, um, did you get to, you didn't get to attend or you no, 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 no. This was way down the States and he was just asking for, you know, permission to use it, which of course was happy to, to grant. And, um, yeah. So, so with that being said, New York times was behind the film okay, and it, it it ended up having a, a, a healthy festival life beyond that. And then when, you know, the, the kind of voting season came around, they had the resources to get in front of voters and, you know, there's several stages to the voting process and, you know, we were able to make it past the first one, which was the shortlist. So we were shortlisted to one of 10 Uh, from that comes five nominations, which we didn't make it to. Yeah. Um, so it was fine. Like I, I, the film had well exceeded any, any hopes or ambitions I could have had for it. Um, do I wish we got a nomination? 
take it or leave I mean, it. Like, yeah, like, I, well, like, that's I, not even that yeah. matters. And that's not that I'm just, I'm just, I was just sort of curious about the process and like, you know, yeah. like, did you like, did you have a publicist helping you with this? Uh, we did. Um, okay, cool. we, we had a publicist that, that had worked with the times before because they had had, um, cool. they'd been on the shortlist previously. So awesome. he, he was great and he was helpful. And I mean, from the start, you know, he, he was like, listen, you're not going to get nominated. Like we know that almost for a certainty that there's, oh. there's a certain like he already, way. Yeah. How did he already, how would he have already, there's a certain way that the voting that. Oh, works. Okay. Um, okay. do you and, feel like that's reflective on how the Academy votes in regards to like, um, in regards to storytelling or I, I like think, that or? I think part of it was our title. Um, okay. because I, um, but the other part is, there's a certain taste for for documentary films from the yeah. Academy, and ours was kind of, as I understand, a bit too in the experimental space, um, being that it was was animated in the way it was, yeah. uh, and that it was such a personal story, not uh, as global of a story. Yeah. Um, you know that that's another thing to consider, which which I think are fair points. Um, yeah. Well, I think it, it's it's yeah. I guess it's for it's for a specific audience, but yeah. Um, but that's interesting as well. So then, okay, so that moves forward, but now you have, um, and now you have broken orchestra. Mm -hmm. And so going into broken orchestra now, I assume you have sort of like a, a different mindset in regards to its sort of, uh, festival track, or do you have like a similar sort of route that you're going for? I mean, broken orchestra was, was unique in that we were backed by who would also be our distributor topic. Um, gotcha. So you know, we knew it was, we knew the date it was going online. We, you know, they, they covered the budget. It. Yeah. So, gotcha. so, so it was kind of, I mean, it's been online since past June. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was kind of, you know, honestly, Hey, we get to make this film. We don't have to worry. We'll, we'll try for festivals, but we don't have to worry because we know where it's going to live Yeah. and we don't have to really get, you know, because getting behind that PR game behind that marketing stuff, like, yeah, I can only I can Yourself. only imagine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's fine and it, and it, and it's good, but it it it's a full time job kind of thing. It is and um tracking the film so. and keeping an eye on it. So yeah, we are kind of happy. To, and when I say we, I'm I'm speaking mostly to Julie Baldassi and myself. Um, we were pretty content to just go like we'll just see what happens with this one and be but pretty hands off. Did the online um, release? Did the on would the online release have still like affected festivals? Yeah. No. Um, oh no. Not really. Oh wow. But um. But yeah, it, 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 it came out in time that was, you know, kind, yeah. kind of a festival dead zone because, yeah, you know, gotcha. it came out in June. So, you yeah. know, there are, there are lots of festivals happening then, but you know, we, we had certain targets and they're mostly in the fall and whatnot. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, uh, so, so with that, we premiered at Philadelphia in October, um, which is the story is based in Philadelphia. So it was, mm -hmm. it was that's perfect. Right. And, right. and it's yeah. a great festival. Um, and you know, surprisingly we won. Um, wow. I, and I drove down to the festival and you know, the, it's that weird thing where the awards night is like earlier in the festival. It's like halfway through the festival kind of thing. Oh, okay. So I actually got there five minutes after they announced our film one. Um, like got, got to the festival. Uh, yeah, I got to the festival. Um, <laughs> oh shit. And, and you know met the met the coordinator um yeah. brett or was it was a brent um 
sorry, Brett or Brent. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that was super sweet moment. Um, because I, I love that city and, uh, and I really love that story and the subjects. Yeah. And then we had doc NYC, which is another great festival. So I, I went and attended that one and I thought, this is good. This is, these are two fantastic festivals. This is, yeah. if this is it, I'm content. And then the Sundance call was, was, you know, a welcome surprise. And yeah. then, um, and, and are you the, still, then, are you still at this point, are you still submitting through platforms or are you sort of like what? You, oh yeah. Yeah. Still, still fully submitting through platforms. Cool, I mean, cool. you know, if you have alumni status at certain festivals, it, it helps in the sense that, you know, festivals usually offer waivers to alumni. So that's yeah. great. And that it helps that you don't have to pay the yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 submission fee yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, and then you send the programmer a note and say, Hey, I submitted this film and you know, it, they're still going to look at it and they're, they're not going to program it just because they programmed you before. Right. Oh, they, yeah. they, they still absolutely. fully assess the film. And, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But it's, it's, uh, it's always a fun sort of, or like, it's always a fun sort of Avenue, like a festival strategy. And I think a festival strategy, it, festival strategy. Well, it is. <laughs> no, no. What I mean, well, what I mean is that it's always like a, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very arduous process. It's very yeah. tedious, uh, but it's often a strategy that filmmakers overlook, you know, and they don't, and they yeah. take for granted. And it's like, you know, to just simply submit a film and leave it there is, is one thing, but to submit a film, contact the program and let them know who you are. That's yeah. another thing. It's, and, and a lot you know, of times they, they totally welcome it too. You know, it's yeah. not like it says on the website, Hey, like email, don't, email, don't. email us when you've submitted kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But if, if you yeah. submit your film and you go into the contact list for the website and you find, you know, yeah. head programmer, junior programmer, volunteer screeners email and just send them that, hello, here's who I am and here's my film mm-hmm. note, they're not going to go, oh, we got to take that person out of the, out of the running now because they bugged us. Um, yeah. Well, I've had, people, if you send the wrong email, exactly. you send something mean or, or overly. Well, yeah. You know. And I mean, it's just, well, it's just kind of funny. Cause like the festival that I run there, a lot of people, a lot of filmmakers that email us for waiver codes. And mm-hmm. there are some filmmakers who I kid you not be like, Hey, here's a link to my film. Let me know. And then it's, and then, but then it's like, right. Hey, how's it going? This is who I am. Yeah. Are you Italian? I'm Italian. <laughs> this is the link to my film. Okay. But, uh, uh, no, I just had, I've had a, uh, people that have, um, asked me about it. So I just thought I would, I would bring it up. Yeah. I uh, bring up a festival strategy. Um, I mean, yeah. the, the, the key thing that I've always done is just a spreadsheet. Like as, yeah, as lame I, as it yeah. is spreadsheet festival, you festival know, like why, why or why you don't want to play it, what the deadline is, what it costs. Like, yeah. you yeah. know, if you have a contact, put them in a column kind of thing. Absolutely. And just order it however it fits for you. And, um, you know, cause you're not, no one's ever submitting to one. They're submitting to like 50, right? Yeah, so you need to, it's, lot, yeah. it's a lot to keep track of and a lot of correspondence. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've never been able to go the distributor route where you, where you have someone that just handles all the submissions for you. Um, yeah. Cause that's a cost that, you know, that's in the space that I haven't really worked in before. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice because those relationships are important to build and maintain and festivals want to see you, you know, they want to see you there with a short and then they want to see you there with your feature when, when and if you have it, right? Well, they want you to succeed just as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think the point of all this is really building accountability for your work and building these relationships yeah. with both your peers, yourself and these festival curators, mm-hmm. right? But understanding out of all of those, what's most important is yourself. Yeah. You know? I mean, what what's important. And again, going back to 
you know, the Oscar shortlist kind of thing. Yeah. Again, grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. Didn't care because I made that film for different reasons. Absolutely. And, and, and the, only, the only thing that it would have been nice to, if I was, if we got the nomination, it would have been nice because of what that film was and especially mm. like one of the messages in the film. And what it, um, meant, and what it meant to you in life. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. that, that would be a new, unique experience for me personally and, yeah. and for my family. But, you know, that film was not made to win awards. Yeah. Um, that, that, that wasn't a mentality behind it. But I think that's why, well, cause I write from, uh, I write from personal experience. Again, mm-hmm. that's what I, that's where I feel like the most honest storytelling comes from. And that's why I said from the beginning that I've admired you as a filmmaker, because you are someone who, um, you are someone who clearly writes from a very genuine place. And when I'm watching your work, I'm not watching your work thinking that it's for a specific thing. Right. It's coming from you. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, and, and I'm just, I don't know, I'm just attracted to work of, of, of that capacity. Um, and, and so I definitely recognize that, you know, whatever festivals, you know, you, that you've gone to and whatnot, like it all, it all comes from, you know, we all, we are filmmakers. We have to show our work. We want to show our work and we want to be at these festivals. But mm-hmm. ultimately it's like when you sit down and you look into the computer or wherever and you look at your film, are you happy with it? And if the answer is yes, then that's it. Yeah. Well, that's no, literally it. I mean, uh, <laughs> okay. I really, I mean, I, I have a, I have this, a, a personal system where I'll rewatch my work, you know, in a festival or in a screening, yeah. but I never really watch it personally alone. And then, okay. And then there are films I I've made that I made years ago that I haven't watched since because, because I really want to kind of build up that, like, you know, I want to have not seen this for long enough that one day, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, I can watch it and truly watch it as an audience member and and not, yeah, not be as familiar with it anymore. It's funny. I have, I have a different process. I sort of like, after I've made something, I watch it, I watch it alone. Mm-hmm. And that is my conversation with myself and be like, Hey, just so you know, this is what people are going to see. Yeah. <laughs> this is what people are going to see. This is how it's going to play out. What does other Eric say? What does, uh, he's, I, I mean, well, he sort of sits there and he's like, well, you know, we could have changed that. Eric. And I'm like, listen, Eric, we didn't have time for that. I told you, you know, <laughs> but it's, but it's a weird thing because I can't have that conversation with myself if I'm watching it with other people, mm. right? Watching it. Like Fair, we had yeah. a, we had a private, just like cast crew screening. We're all seeing the final product. I'm sitting there. I'm not able to pay attention. You know, yeah. I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, this looks great, but I'm not able to have that internal monologue where it's like, oh, do you remember what this was? Do you remember what this was? This is how this turned out. Do you remember how we did that? Mm-hmm. And it's this sort of inner monologue that I like to do to sort of prep myself before I'm ready to like show people. Yeah, yeah I like that. And what's it like for you when you do see it with people with an audience on a big screen kind of thing? Oh, like, it's what, like I, I think it's just it's just another it's just a it's it's uh it's just sort of like it's incredible i yeah. think you know like do you, um, do you like see all the mistakes or do you do you pay attention to the audience i like, i see some of i see some of the mistakes yeah. yeah absolutely and i see ways in which that i like i remember oh yeah i remember why this was a one take i mm-hmm. remember why this was a um uh i remember why this was a shot in two shot mm-hmm. because we couldn't we didn't have time to get this but afterwards that starts to fade away because yeah i i sort of have this like i i, I i've sort of almost train myself to, um, accept what I'm making, accept the restrictions, if any, mm-hmm. uh, but also relish in the, um, uh, uh, relish in the sort of, uh, euphoria 
of making right. of making said product. You know, like I I I don't know, I directed a short like uh, about a month ago now, and um, it was it was like fourteen pages of dialogue. We had two days, mm-hmm. five hours each day to film in this bar. That's impossible. It's impossible. But we got these two actors who and the script changed God knows how many times, literally until the day of. These guys took it mm-hmm. and we filmed them. I mean, we did other scenes like outside of the five hours, but the five hours were for the bar. Uh, it's a horse, so I could tell you some of time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but basically we had five hours on each day to film in this bar. Lewis knows, Lewis was on set, right? It was crazy. And so we we had to get 14 pages of dialogue between these people. And so, you know, I could stand there and be like, fuck, yeah. we're fucked. We don't have any time. We're not going to get our product. Or I can just stand everyone there. Go home. Hey, everyone it's go over. home. Or I can just stand there and be like, hey, you know what? This is, this is kind of cool. It's kind of cool that we could even like, we could even... Uh, make this happen in such a little yeah. time, right? Um, but so going forward, like how? So given all that, how are you making this year your year? Well, this, um, I mean, I'm not. I don't have strategy. <laughs> Again, I. Uh, no. You, you know, don't have to have. It doesn't have to be strategy. It's even like a feeling. Like you, right? Have, yeah. I mean, I, I've I've loosened up a lot, and I think I've alluded to that earlier. And yeah. um, you know, I'm I'm putting other things in my life first or making sure that they have equal parts of the pie. Um, yeah. You know, because again, I, th- I think a balance is an important thing to achieve, but you know, I, I am hoping to, I- I'm writing two feature scripts and their narratives. So I'm nice. hoping to at least by the end of the year have with one or both a, a direction of, um, you know, what's going to happen with them and, and if cool. they are getting made or if they're maybe going to get made, but, one day down the road. Yeah. There's some other shorts I'm, I'm really, um, Keen on. happy to be working on right now. Yeah, um, great. and working towards. So, I mean, I hope that, that this year is just, um, you know, a, a chance to stay on the boat. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, great, I, I feel, I feel like I'll, I'll have that, but, um, yeah. But if it doesn't, I'm sure it will be, if if I get off and and where you are now is where you're meant to be, yeah. Well, you know who like, says? Well, <laughs> what I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that'd be challenging. I'm just like no, no, no. You of know, course, I, I'm I'm content. Um, but I mean, I yeah. think I think where I'm going with that is, and a great piece of advice that I've been getting is where you are at currently at this stage of your life is because you've manifested yeah. something. You've manifested something, and you are at this place now because you are you. It is the present. Yeah. And so, you know, you've, you've made these films or you have this current job or you're seeing this one person or whatever it is, this is where you're meant to be. And as long as you believe in that, as long as you believe in the present moment, you Mm -hmm. know, I mean, I'll say this, and this is, this is interesting because this experience literally happened today. Um, but you know, trying to be a pleasant person to work with, trying to maintain good relationships, not be an egotistical dick who's just trying to get their way and force everyone into, into, you know, their very specific vision with the film. Yeah. Um, you know, I work with a lot of people the same time over again, Chet Tillicani, like a cinematographer, um, Julie Balassi, who I've mentioned before, producer, Colin Sigor, uh, my composer, Joe Koopel, who does, you know, the, post sound, but he does everything to do with sound. He does the Foley. He does everything. Um, so just giving him one title isn't really fair. Michael Barker, editor, Joseph Beebe, you know, writer, co-writer. Um, I'm certain like 
Phil, Evan, Martha, Brett, like, you know, Marty, um, animators, Kyle Fowler, you know, all these people that I've worked with time and time again, and, and we've, you know, enjoyed what we've worked on. Um, right now I'm, I'm doing a very low budget short narrative. Mm-hmm. So today, you know, the script was in a shape to send out to everyone, you know, every, every I've already kind of tapped everyone's shoulder about it, be like, Hey, this thing's coming. Um, but today it was, you know, send it out and say, Hey, here's the script. Yeah. Um, read it before agreeing to being on it because, yeah. you know, if this is something that you don't want to work on or it's not, not in your space, then totally fine. Uh, budget sucks. This, this is kind of what we can do. Um, you know, and, and everyone, you know, yeah. again, it was really awesome. Every, everyone had the same response was like, don't care what the budget is. Like if, if you have it, I'm, I'm happy to take it, but I'm just happy to, yeah. to, to collaborate on something. Yeah. So, it's such an incredible, and it's such an incredible know. feeling. Cause I too do have collaborators, but mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of my collaborators interchange between different projects, but the feeling remains the same in that, like, you know, one person said to me like on this bombastic sort of project that we decided to do in two days, mm-hmm. he sort of just like, like he was my gaffer on, um, a previous, um, pressure play. And so he looks at me and he's like, you know, when Eric Bizarre calls me, I kind of just, I kind of just ask how high, Yeah, you know, like how high are we going? And yeah. so that sort of really like created this like feeling inside where it's like, maybe like that, if that's what I'm able to do for people, if that feeling is what I'm able to give to people in, in collaboration, mm-hmm. then ultimately I've, I've succeeded. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how exactly. the project turns um, out. It's like, if we can come together. Yeah. Like, create, creating a space where it's, where it's not, not just one person. Like, yeah. As a director, you might be the person who's who's got the name on the accolades or whatever or yeah. accolades. Um, yeah. But um, again, creating a space where where okay, like here's here's the creative attitude you have to shoot it, or here's here's mm-hmm. the creative attitude for the mix. Someone I didn't mention before, but Carolyn Kozer and 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 um and her her partner Dom um production designers. You know. Yeah. Hey, this is this is kind of what we want. This um this space to look like, but you know, if you have ideas, feed them in now because like, we can write around it. We, we exactly. can, yeah. yeah. Um, it's very collaborative. It's a collaborative process. Yeah. Um, well, I, this is, this is great, man. This is great. Thanks so much it's for having like, me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This is really fun. Um, I, we, yeah, I'm glad we got to, we got to chat. Me too. Thanks, for coming over yeah. Thanks so much. No problem. Thank you.